friends, you're listening to the Shattered Ceilings Podcast with your hosts Stephanie and Adriana. We're here to discuss the importance of mental health from the perspective of two first-generation immigrants. Join in weekly as we dive into important topics such as relationships, parenting, and cultural barriers. Here, we get real and candid as we explore what disrupting the status quo looks like for each of us. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Um, Before I start, this is my first episode back after giving birth, so I definitely miss doing this. I missed you. Oh, I hope so. Um, You were great. You came to visit and brought me treats. Yeah. Yeah. Baby Archie's here. That's all that matters. Yeah, he's sleeping in a room, so if you hear crying, just ignore it. Um, But before we start, I do want to introduce our special guest today, We have Jason on the podcast, and we're so excited because he is a licensed associate marriage and family therapist, Mm -hmm. which is so cool. Um, And I kind of want to say how we know each other. So we've been friends now for, I don't know, when we met, 2000, before COVID. Everything to me is like... It was like a convention year. The convention before COVID. (laughs) My timeline is always like anything before COVID. (laughs) Yeah, it had to be 2019. Yeah, so we met at a typical remaining convention. Um... And yeah, I remember we like hit it off talking about just you going to school to become a therapist. Mm-hmm. I think at that time I was actually in therapy and I thought it was so cool that... You mm-hmm. always have therapist friends. <laughs> I know. That's a good sign. Yeah. Um, you gotta go to school. I'll go to school. No, I don't have time. Um, but yeah, it was cool because we talked about therapy and then obviously life goes on. And I kind of want you to share the story of how you're in Arizona. Yeah. And yeah, I'll just leave yeah. it to you. It's a cool story. Yeah, so um, I think when you found out that I was going to school for marriage and family therapy, you were telling me, oh, my therapist is a marriage and family therapist. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, that's cool. But then you were like, oh, she's Romanian. And I was like, another Romanian marriage and family therapist. Very rare. Obviously, from our community, coming from like the Baptist Pentecostal community, that is extremely rare. Mm -hmm. Um, But... But when I heard that, I was like, okay, like I need to connect with her. Mm-hmm. So I remember you you connected me with her, with Anka. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then um, I spoke with Anka in like the end of 2019. It was like September, October. And just introduced myself. We talked for like an hour, hour and a half that's just about awesome. mental health, about life, about, you know, just... We, you you know, can talk forever about forever. <laughs> and um, that was that was it. We just had a beautiful conversation just to introduce each other. Like, just, hey, I'm on your radar. You're on my radar. Let's collaborate at some point. Mm-hmm. And then life went on. I was in private practice at the time. Um, and then the, the, the next year, no, this was this was in 2021 now. Mm-hmm. She reaches out and she actually texts me at a very opportune time mm-hmm. I was looking for a change in my life um but there was a lot of things going on and she reaches out to me like the next day after um I had some personal things going on and she said hey do you want to come to Arizona and um join the team at Hope Counseling and I was like let me give you a week to think about it and um we talked about it and everything worked out and I ended up here that July. Yeah. So I've been here for a year and a half now. I've been uh, working for her in, in private practice. And now that's shifted a little bit, but 
We can talk amazing. about that as well later. Yeah, he moved from Chicago yeah. and <laughs> oh my got gosh. a job. You were the darling. got married. I don't know why you didn't bring that up. I yeah. That yeah, so the same convention that we became friends at, that was the same convention that I ignored my wife at unknowingly. <laughs> and then that okay. ended up becoming a thing. So, yeah, I got married. Oh. Uh, we got married in the last, I mean, in the last year, I moved to Arizona, got married, got a new job. We just found out we're pregnant, actually. Oh, we're doing our, is this our gender an reveal tomorrow. <laughs> like, no, no, no. It's not an announcement. Uh, the, the people who need to know, know. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> um, awesome. And uh, so there's just been, like, all the major life stressors that somebody can go through, we've gone through. And uh, we're still here, so. Go to conventions. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like Avi Tisha says, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I that's love so that, cool. What a yeah. small world. So you were yeah. the domino that set it off for... Yeah. to get connected I mean, with it's whatever's meant to be. I feel yeah. like we'll don't, meant no, to be, don't, but... Don't, don't, like, we were... brush it off. Don't brush it off. This is how God uses yeah. people in people's amazing. lives. Yeah. Like, we all have a role, and you don't know how big or small your role is. And yeah. Yeah. my, I, I truly believe that, like, my role uh, in other people's lives, I won't ever know for the rest of my life. But sometimes moments like these happen, yeah. right? And you were clearly a connecting factor in all yeah. of this. That's so and, that's cool. And, like... We haven't even kept in touch that much, I was much, say, right? I feel like those last three years, we never spoke. And then yeah. randomly, I saw you in Arizona, and you're like, I live here now. Yeah. And then with Anka, your therapist, I'm like, wow, yeah. that is, yeah. It yeah. is a cool story. So it's just, oh, I mean, it's, it. it's one of those incredible, intricate spider webs that God puts together in one way or another. And mm -hmm. you're just like, what? Mind blown, yeah. Here yeah. we are, you're on our podcast. Yeah. So, that's cool. so That's so cool. I yeah. love so cool. it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we did bring you here mostly because you are a therapist, so we love yeah. talking about mental health. And then another thing that's very big in general especially in the Dominican community is you're a guy who's mm -hmm. a therapist yeah. which yeah. we're obviously going to get into so we're going to start off with the first question mm -hmm. how does being a male therapist influence your approach to addressing mental health concerns in male clients yeah great question all the questions you guys sent me were incredible yeah. good job Steph. <laughs> um i will start off by saying that being a male helps first and foremost just being a man in the room already Sometimes guys come and they have their walls up. Mm -hmm. Being another man, sometimes they let their walls come down. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they put their walls up even more because they're like, well, no, I definitely don't want to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But most of the time being a man helps um, because I think as men, we have a different type of authority with each other. Mm -hmm. And I've even seen it where a man has gone to a female therapist and just resistance, reluctance. Wow. And then he comes to a male therapist and you... Not that you can play these games with a woman, but you can't play the same games with a man, mm -hmm. um, especially if he's willing to be direct with you. And I think that's that's probably one of my personal strong suits is I'm very direct with my clients. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that I think um, allows me to, to connect with, with men uh, just in general. Um, but I, I also recognize that I once too was very resistant to therapy mental health, like all this. Mm -hmm. I mean, the journey to get here was really tough for me. And I think that I did receive a mixed bag of support on one end mm -hmm. of people like, yeah, you know, what a great thing. And, and then a lot of people like, dude, that's a, a field for whips, wussies, mm -hmm. right. To wow. use clean language. Mm -hmm. Um, and so being on the other side of that, I remember my first experience going to therapy thing, like, this is so dumb. I feel like I'm like, why am I going to therapy? Am I suicidal? Like, what is this? Mm -hmm. um, and I felt kind of like off by I think it. most people feel like that. And that's why they put off therapy yeah. for so long. Yeah. And so 
recognizing all of, you know, resistance, what I call, um, is, is, it's like an onion. It's an onion of resistance because it's not like, okay, you just peel it back like a banana and there's the fruit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's layers of resistance, layers of resistance from like our Eastern European culture, mm-hmm. layers of resistance from just being a man, uh, that, that macho and manly mentality, Re- another layer of resistance of, oh, I don't want to look weak. I don't want to look, you know, whatever. And so you've got to consider all these different layers that play into. And I think being a man automatically allows me to feel that and to know that with some men. And I can tell you right off the bat, sometimes when men come into the room and I just look at them and I know, I know if it's a couple, I know the man is struggling with, Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to let my barrier down. I don't want to let vulnerability come up. Mm -hmm. Um, and then sometimes in individual therapy, it's the same thing. And now I have the privilege of working with adolescents all day, every day at the Meadows Mm -hmm. and even watching teenage boys. I mean, this, this is instilled in us from a young, watching these 14, 14 year old boy. Don't cry, be a man. Yeah. Yeah. My dad shows that you're strong. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to see. 14. Wow. It's unbelievable to see. So I think being a man in this environment, I really count it as a privilege. Sometimes I know. I feel, I feel stressed in my head about like certain aspects of it or the direction of my career. And I get caught up in, and then when I take a step back and I'm like, I get to be a part of this. I get to have a front row seat at watching people's lives change, being a, a, a just a, a, a stepping stone for them as they walk towards healing, as they walk towards freedom mm-hmm. and, and just being someone who has been on the other side of, of struggle, of, of just having my own problems and now mm-hmm. having have the stepping stones for me to move forward. I mean, there's no better recipe of providing that for other people Mm -hmm. than having gone through it yourself, right? Exactly. I love that you said that. Mm -hmm. It's like when you go through something, you can relate. And it's, in a sense, more valuable to you too to see someone that was in your shoes and Mm -hmm. get healed. And I'm sure they feel that transparency as well. And that subconsciously Mm -hmm. maybe helps them to open up in a way. Yeah. Mm Self-disclosure. You probably know about that plenty. And I think um, learning how to use self-disclosure healthy as a therapist, where it's not about you, but it includes you so that you can be real and vulnerable and teach. I can't tell you how many times in therapy, the only, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons that I was able to watch a man become vulnerable was because I finally shared with him, hey, I've had these struggles in my relationship. I've had these struggles in my, in my family. I've had these struggles with this, that, or the other. I've thought about non-existence. Mm-hmm. I've thought about suicide. I've thought about, I struggle with substances. So they don't feel alone in feeling that. Yeah. 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 That's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like there's definitely a lot of challenges. Do you have any other challenges from your perspective that men do face with mental health and how do you address them in therapy sessions? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the biggest challenge is, is being perceived as weak. I really think that's that's the ultimate hurdle for a man is I just don't want to be weak. So it keeps them in their head instead of yeah. able to open up to you and kind of get the process. Yeah. Started. Pride, pride and shame mm-hmm. are there are a lot of cultures that operate operate in in pride and in shame. I guess those are like the pillars mm-hmm. of their existence, mm-hmm. right? You do things a certain way, you know, like let's just use this example imagine a family, right? The, let's call them the the Johnsons. And they grow up their whole life teaching their kid, we're the Johnsons. We don't do that. 
We're the Johnsons. Well, you know better than that, right? Mm -hmm. But think about that on a cultural and societal level. Mm -hmm. Romanians. Right? Yeah. I know we're going to get into that question, yeah. but that's a yeah. whole... Yeah. yeah. And, so, and so you think about that, even, even in our culture and community, the level of pride and the level of shame. And um, it, it's, it's very powerful um, just even looking at it from a third person perspective or, or a bird's eye view, mm -hmm. but pride and shame drives a lot of our resistance. Mm -hmm. Even in really think about it when, I mean, we're all married here. Yeah. When we get into it with, a, with our spouse, what's the first thing that's happening for you when you're triggered or, or you don't want to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's <laughs> you don't want to, yeah. what is that? That's pride. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, or when you make a mistake and you know, damn well, you made a mistake. Yeah. Shame. Mm -hmm. And then you're right? stubborn too. So, so I think, I think that um, in terms of, I don't want to call it a unique challenge, but it might be especially unique to men. Mm -hmm. I will say that there's plenty of, of women out there who, who struggle with pride and shame too. Mm -hmm. But for men, it's, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit different. And I'm sure that this, we will expand in this in, in, a, in a minute, but so also what I, now that you're talking about pride and shame, what that kind of takes my mind too is, um, a unique challenge for us as first generation Americans, having had our parents emigrate here. Um, and so a lot of maybe males our age, their fathers grew up and they have these like war stories or like stories from when they were in the military or like yeah. living Can under, exactly. <laughs> and like under communism. And so their, you know, their fathers are passing that on to them. And so it's so such a different dynamic, I think, than for example, just people that are born in America, as opposed to us as first generation Americans, yeah. because we have our parents. So it's like such a short time between when they came here and they had us yeah. that mm -hmm. they didn't really get to work through with their yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so then yeah. you know, we, we see that in our dads. And so it's, it's definitely, I also feel like being a guy and seeing your dad go through so much that is like physically tough and just a lot. Mm -hmm. It kind of, I might be wrong cause I'm not a guy, but I feel like it would make them even be more of like a man and be strong and have no emotions because most fathers are like that. Mm -hmm. Most mm -hmm. Romanian dads have no emotion and are very mm -hmm. just like straight yeah. face. And if you cry, don't cry. And yeah. so I feel like that also brings it. Cause it's like, okay, my dad went through all this and he could be strong. And it's like, no, we need to look at strength in a yeah. different way. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. That kind of goes to our next question about the immigrant community. Um, so what cultural factors and stigmas do you consider when working with male clients? Great question. Um, so as a therapist, um, I was trained systemically, meaning I have a lot of different factors that come into play when I do assessments and when I'm in that assessment window. And I mean, as a therapist, you're kind of always assessing with your clients, even if you've been working for a year, you're still like assessing the situation. But for me, culture is such an important part of the work because mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, you're going to recognize differences when you work with a, a white male from even Illinois, right? Versus a white male from Norwegian, mm -hmm. like totally different experiences, mm -hmm. right? Or a white male from Romania. Mm -hmm. And so I notice in my work, the difference in, in therapy and how I approach it sometimes, or some of the conversations that come up with the, the white Americans or, or the non-white Americans, and then the, the, the white Europeans or the non-white 
Europeans or Africans or Asians or whatever. And so when a lot of people have actually reached out to me because of my profile uh, uh, stating that, you know, I have a multicultural lens that I've lived in Africa, I've lived in Europe. I know, um, and so, so when people read that, that's one of the main reasons that people who, you know, non-white people contact me um, outside of Romanians, mm-hmm. right? Romanians know me because I'm Romanian at times or somebody puts them, but non-white people call mm-hmm. me because they see that in my bio and they're like, all right, let me see what this dude's about. Mm-hmm. So they'll call me and I have a, I have a consult call and we talk about, they're like, oh, so what'd you do? What did you do? And it's like, okay, I don't need you to know everything about my culture, but the mm-hmm. fact that you have some experience or some cultural, that, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Or even... Even just being first generation, mm-hmm. yeah. just being able you can to relate more. Yeah, that yeah. even that right there is is a door in and of whether itself it's, for yeah, people. Whether being an Asian American, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I said this in one of our podcasts when I first started going to therapy. I went through like my church, and it was like an American therapist. And our first conversation was like, "I want to move away from home, but I don't know what to do." And the therapist is like, "Oh, are you older than eighteen?" I'm like, "Yeah, like." move out and I'm like yeah no no I'm I'm a Romanian girl living at home I'm not married like they didn't understand yeah. it they were like no if you can financially support yourself and you're older than 18 you should be able to move out your parents don't yeah. understand so that's when I actually was like okay let me search for maybe a Romanian therapist and I I did not think she was gonna pop up but I put like I was like let's just see Romanian and it was like Anka's face and I, I honestly that's didn't wild. know her from like the Romanian community uh-huh. so I was like okay cool and then She's like kind of part of my family, so it's kind of <laughs> that's cool. so cool. But I feel like it is when you're a first generation immigrant, you just relate more, and you kind of get mm-hmm. the parents and just the community you've gone to. Yeah, and um, the other piece that I want to add is that that cultural component. If you think about any culture, any civilization, any society, now or in the past, historically, men have been the backbones and the pillars of their societies, of their families and the foundation and think about how difficult it is for that man to admit that there is a crack in the foundation right to admit that maybe this isn't as sturdy as we thought mm-hmm. it's it's terrifying wow that's huge yep it's terrifying mm-hmm. imagine you're in real estate trying to sell a house to somebody and you know that the foundation's cracked. cracked yeah yeah. You probably would do everything to hide the basement, to mm-hmm. not show so them. Yep. You know, oh, then, we don't want to go down there. Let, let's look at our living. Look how beautiful the living room is. Look at the countertops in yeah. here, right? And you do that, mm-hmm. but you don't want to go down to the basement and show them. And I know you guys don't do basements out here, but in yeah. Chicago, where we come from, we got basements. <laughs> hey, you know? So, so when I say when I say cracking the foundation, we're talking about the basement. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, just recognizing that that men have that struggle, men have that 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 difficulty it's a little bit different i'm not saying that men are better or anything like no men and women are are obviously in, in the same boat but men have different challenges than women and women have different challenges than men i think just this right here this this uh machismo mm-hmm. right i love that term mm-hmm. and i use that with with clients all the time i don't know if there's one in romanian what does that mean machismo i was like is that a romanian yeah word? so so <laughs> machismo is if i think if you google it machismo is a, a strong male arrogance, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so 
probably in English, this is what we would refer to as toxic masculinity, but mm -hmm. I think toxic masculinity also falls into a little bit more of a different category. Mm -hmm. But like machismo is super in the Hispanic culture. It's super in the Romanian culture and we don't even know what it's called, yeah. right? It's this idea of like, I'm a man, I can't, I can't let my walls down. I gotta be this, I gotta be that, don't cry, don't. Mm -hmm. And we talk about it, but there's actually a word for it. It's just in Spanish. I, I want to know what the word is in Romanian if there is, yeah. right? If you're Romanian and you know what the word is, drop a Send comment below, right? Like, we need to know what machismo is in Romanian. Because we don't, we don't know. We're over here in Romanian churches talking about machismo, and they don't know. First right? But, but yeah, that, so that machismo is exactly that thing that we're talking about. That's the label for what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I love how you mentioned different cultural factors that come into play, because I see this a lot with even my husband. He's Romanian, but he's born and raised in Germany. So yeah, we are both Romanian, but we're so different because wow. he's raised in the German culture. Yeah, so like a different even that, Yeah. So yeah. It, and so it's very interesting that you mentioned that you have to take definitely cultural factors come into play when you're assessing and continuing to assess yeah. throughout the. Yeah. Throughout or the like even even with parents that I've worked thinking about how they raise their children. As a therapist, you know, I, I saw this when I was in grad school. I remember seeing this in grad school where, you know, I would say majority of the class was, was I would say most, more than half was white. And I remember thinking about different cases. We would have supervision and hearing people talk about what families are doing wrong or incorrect. And I'm thinking in my head, bro, you have no idea how we grew up. <laughs> how, like, like I would sit there, I would sit there in a room with like five or six other white people. And in my head, I'm like, you're tripping. Right. You have no idea what it's like. Like they're like, Oh, this is, this is that, this is this. And I'm like, don't, you're not, you're not them. Like no. you have no idea what their values are, what their morals are, mm -hmm. what, what they base their foundation on. Like some things are just sacred and, and um, you can't change that. Right. Right. Like the honor culture. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. And so like a white, a white therapist trying to tell an Asian uh, person, you know, what's right or what's wrong. And like, I've seen that happen in therapy where That's therapists, a bad therapist. <laughs> are, yeah, are trying to tell their clients what is appropriate or what's not. And it's like, Hey, we can, we can discuss like, Societally, like, hey, what what are your thoughts on this? Mm -hmm. But you you have no right to tell someone that oh, this is a, this is correct, this is incorrect, or mm -hmm. you know. And so I just I think I've seen that a lot so far, and just being able to take a step back from that and kind of let people express, oh, why do you why why do you guys why is that important to you? Mm -hmm. Why is that so important to you? Oh, because you know, in, in my culture and this and that. Oh, really? Wow. So how how do you think that translates into parenting for you? Mm -hmm. Oh, well. And I mean, I've seen light bulbs go off. I was gonna say that leads to better communication between you and the client. Yeah. Light bulbs go off. Yeah, I love that. So kind of leading into the next question, how do you navigate conversations around masculinity? Because we talked about machismo yeah. and mental health, especially with male clients from diverse cultural backgrounds. Yeah. I have to find ways to talk to these clients about what being a man is really like, mm -hmm. right? Especially if they share in that experience. And a lot of times I need to recognize that my definition isn't theirs. Mm -hmm. And I have to take a step back in that moment and ask them, what is manhood to you? Mm -hmm. What is masculinity to you? Right. And when you do that, 
you let them put it out on the table. You let them to, to figure it out on their own rather than you be like, hey, a man does this, right? We, we got that already mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. Right. Mm-hmm. So let people figure it out for themselves. You could be there to guide them. Mm-hmm. And if they're like kind of going in the wrong direction, you can kind of rope them back in with certain mm-hmm. questions and be like, hey, well, how do you, well, how does that, that line up with, well, is that congruent with, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I think it's really important for them to figure it out and by drawing that out, that's something that I've been I've learned a lot with Anka through our supervision, mm-hmm. through the work that we've done, is she has taught like she is really like the yin to my yang, yeah. like personality-wise, even as a therapist. I'm very opposite her. Mm-hmm. I'm very direct, I'm very like boom, oh, very mm-hmm. solution focused, very and she's <laughs> well, that's very such a male thing too, Anka. Yes. So like that's you true. can yes. figure it out. Yes. But I love that because I remember we would be in session. And I would look at her and I'm like, I know you have the answer. And she'll start laughing. She's like, but I know like you can figure it out. And I realized the moments when I figured it out, it meant more to me. And it was more exciting knowing that I got to the solution. Because I feel like if she just told me, I don't think I either would have listened or would have like, yeah. So it was more exciting when I was like, oh my gosh, I figured it out with her help. So that's like. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And just tying into that conversation, being a good therapist is not being able to give your clients the answers. Mm -hmm. Being a good therapist is helping your clients figure out the answers for themselves. That's really what being a therapist is. That's what I've been learning from Anka. Mm -hmm. That's really what I've been learning from her and and the work that we've done together. And um, I think that that's probably been one of my greatest challenges as a male therapist. Mm -hmm. Because as a man, Ask your husbands, what do yep. we want to do? We want to go solve. in there and fix the problem and get out. Yeah, solve everything. Even with my wife at times, like she'll be telling me blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fix it. I'm like, oh, yeah. she's just like, I just need you to listen. Yeah. I'm like, You're right. Let me do that, right? And so, so I think that we need, as men, we need to learn how to listen. We need to learn to not have to fix everything. Like, hey, great, you have a flat tire. I don't have to fix that for you. I don't. We could talk about it. I can I can guide you through it. I can even call AAA for you. But if I'm not available, I'm just not able to. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah. Um, but but I think that that with men specifically, me being able to ex- explore that um, with them is is probably the the biggest thing. Um, and then also another another really important important point I think for for this conversation is um, around Christian men and why 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 it's so difficult for Christians to accept the mental health component to their to their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I found many, many Christian men um, have had this idea that if you're Christian or if you read the Bible or you go to church, um, it doesn't go hand in hand with with uh, depression God's word. Yeah. It doesn't go hand in hand with God's word. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and this this is mostly with like the older generation, mm-hmm. I would say, but I've seen this in in some some younger people as well. And it's really difficult to see a man wrestling through his life, wrestling through the challenges, and not willing to open him, himself up to this other element of like, bro, you have no idea how much healing is in this in this path. God doesn't want you to live like that, yeah. You have no idea how much healing is waiting for you on this journey. Um, and, and you're shutting it down to not in the name of faith or religion or whatever you want to call it. And, Mm -hmm. and it's like, you go to the Bible, you turn to the scriptures and you realize like, I mean, this, I mean, God's word lines up a lot more with mental health than 
than we want to admit. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not even, it's not biblical. Right. Think. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's interesting that, you know, when, when historians and archaeologists and, you know, different fields of study make advances in their fields, you know, Christians will gobble it up. They'll be like, look at this new discovery. Look at da 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 And they'll be like, did you see that, that you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls have been discovered? And they're like, they're, they're so quick to eat it up. Yeah. But when we find discoveries in the mental health field, mm-hmm. when we find out things psychologically that line up with God's word, that don't go against God's word, it's like, okay, that's kind of like, nah, hoopla. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Right. So, I mean, this conversation, I think, is... It goes hand in hand with with culture, and I'm speaking about this because it's the culture that I come from, mm-hmm. right? So that's why I think I'm, I'm speaking more about that now than than just generally. But I'm also attach, uh, attaching my experience to what we're discussing here, I think, and, and maybe probably some of the men that you know, yeah, not, uh, their experience. I definitely think, I mean, it's a sensitive subject, but I like that you brought up, um, especially in the Christian community, because I don't want to say it's an epidemic, the male mental health crisis, but I've seen time and time again, where obviously we're Christian, we believe that the man is the head of the household, and, you know, under him comes the wife, over him comes Mm -hmm. God. And if the male is struggling mentally, I've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. How can the family unit be healthy? Yeah. So it's like you're trying, mm-hmm. you know, to fight against something that, first of all, that's not even biblical to think that uh, yeah. mental health is, you know, not or depression is non-existent. Yeah. The Bible proves that to us. Like you said, so many stories, Elijah and mm-hmm. things like that, David. And when oh. you're right, like if we really go through it. And so if you're combating that, and but at the same time, you're only doing bad to yourself as the head of yeah. your household, because you're dealing with so many things you're keeping behind closed doors and your family mm-hmm. suffering. Yeah. So we really need to, I love that we're doing this episode. I love that we're bringing it up. It needs to be talked about more and more and hopefully normalized. And especially I want it to come to the point where it's like, Hey, if I'm getting help, like, you know, for my mental health, it should be like, if I have a broken bone or something, like it should yeah. be like, I'm going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Like that's how more important, important too. Yeah. yeah more important. Absolutely. I know families where the husband should go to therapy to figure his things out because it's affecting the family. And instead of the husband going, it's the wife because she's getting affected so bad that she yeah. needs the help. And it's like, yeah. and the wife can only do so much. Yeah. And the thing is we have so many, <laughs> we hear, I mean, I, probably don't tell you anymore, but a lot of criticism from the male population um, in our community because they don't like, first of all, I think that we're women. Second of all, that we talk about this stuff, but they themselves, like I look at their family and I'm like, you're missing the mark. Like, I mean, black and white, because as the head of the household, that's not how God wants Mm -hmm. you to run your house. So Mm -hmm. anyways, I could go on on about this. As you're talking, I'm remembering this was probably a year and a half ago when I was still in Chicago, maybe almost two years now. And I was sitting at a table with um, one of the leaders from one of the Romanian churches. And um, it was like a, it was like a family get together. And I remember that he was asking me, he was asking me questions about being a therapist and what do I do? And at first it was curious, mm-hmm. but then it was like really accusatory. Mm-hmm. And I remember his questions went from, oh, so Chifach, you know, what are you, what are you doing? I'm oh, so Chifach. And, and I remember um, I was trying to answer his questions as best as I could. And then I remember he goes like, you do marriage counseling? And I, at the time I wasn't married. At the time I was just dating. I wasn't even engaged. Mm-hmm. And I remember... He goes, oh, you're, you're, you're doing marriage counseling? Man, 
anybody that comes to you is stupid people. And I was like, I was like, really? I rem- I was triggered yeah. internally. I was like a mess. I was a mess. I got dysregulated instantly, yeah. instantly. Just that Romanian trauma instantly got dysregulated. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's. And then I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, but the How could you tell me? Yeah. How to how to deal with? And I'm like because I'm not telling you what to do. I'm helping you figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that was a concept that was so foreign to him. Mm-hmm. Of like we're I think used to people giving us the answers growing up. Yeah. We're used to people telling us like oh this is how you do it. Oh okay mommy tati. Yeah. And boom you get the answer. Yeah. And so getting going through a process where you're figuring it out is foreign to us. And I remember and uncomfortable. And uncomfortable. <laughs> and I remember he was telling me how you're not married mm-hmm. how could you and i was like okay let me ask you a question if i had a ring on my finger would that change your perspective what do you literally saying? he didn't have an answer <laughs> i was like so so okay it, today i'm not married tomorrow i'm married so today i'm not qualified but tomorrow i am mm-hmm. help me understand right because it cannot be just because i have a ring on my finger right and so i think what he was alluding to was life experience yeah and it was funny because later that night he found out that i was dating and that i was actually getting ready to propose and he goes oh Danamsh, oh, i didn't know you should have told me that from the beginning and i want to cut you some slack and i'm like thanks i'm like i was like are you joking you know? so, so i was like there's there's no way but but this is how we were ingrained yeah. This wasn't his problem. Mm-hmm. This no. was a cultural nope. problem. It's a cultural, it's a societal well, thing. That's yeah. why I'm kind of happy that we are the newer generation that's being yeah. more open. Yeah. Again, there's still people our age that I know are pretty close-minded. And again, you can only do so much. But I really am excited for the new generation. We're having babies. We're having kids. We're going to be different parents. And it's just exciting to know that we can break those generation curses mm-hmm. and see kind of the fruit yeah. of that. And mm-hmm. I truly believe that the older generation will see that. And God help them that they can also be a little bit more open. And I, I, I feel sorry for them. I know they went through so much and it's like, mm-hmm. we're they not... did go through so much, but they came to this country for better and better means that their kids are getting educated and yeah. knowledgeable about things. And you can't take some, like take just one thing and leave everything else because yeah. my opinion, and again, this is going to cause probably so much, <laughs> but I don't care. A pastor is like a pastor. He's not a therapist. Correct. Mm-hmm. So it's Correct. like, there's certain things like you don't go to the debt to the doctor to get your teeth checked out. Yeah. So it's like, we come to this country, you know, God puts this calling on some of our lives to pursue this career and to do it for the Lord. And I really think that we need to just more yeah. voices that speak up about the importance of mental health, especially with males. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's going to cause some changes. to occur. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think going on that conversation is, is just saying just because a pastor is a pastor doesn't mean he can't help. Right. In mm-hmm. similar ways that therapists can, like the difference is, is a pastor is not clinical. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the main difference. I think that the, the, the problem with a lot of Romanian pastors is it's like it hurts their pride mm-hmm. that like, what do you mean? Like, I can't help you. Right. right? And, and I'm not saying that that's really the attitude of all of them. I'm just saying I've seen that mm-hmm. or even just in the community of like, um, you know, well, why don't you just go to a pastor? Well, because does a, not all pastors understand what what 
codependence is. Not all pastors right. understand what certain struggles are. Not all pastors are able to unpack things in such a way. And mm-hmm. pastors don't have to follow HIPAA. Right. <laughs> and pastors can can easily, being flawed and human, make the mistake of sharing your yeah. information with the wrong person. And I've seen that. And therapists are bound by ethical and legal concerns yeah. to maintain Confidentiality. Confidentiality. Absolutely. Right? I will lose my license if I tell you what you share with me. Mm -hmm. That's one of the first things that I tell people Mm -hmm. when they come work with me, especially if they're Romanian. I tell them, hey, one, if I see you at church, I'm ignoring you. Not because I don't like you, but because I don't want to breach your confidentiality. Mm -hmm. If you come up to me and you say, hello, fine. I'm whoever you want me to be. I'm your cousin. I'm your friend. I'm your uncle. Whoever you want me to be. But I'm not your therapist. And I'm not going to say hi to you. And guess what? This has happened multiple times. I was going to ask. I know it's not one of our questions, but have you actually had like Romanian male clients go to you? Yes. That's I've already worked so with cool. a handful. Oh, a handful. So I've worked with, yeah. thankfully, I've worked with probably, um, well, it actually, I worked with a few Romanians in Chicago before I moved here. And then I moved here and I got a chance to work with, you know, a dozen Romanians easily. Awesome. Um, and, and it's been incredible. I from, love from young, that. From young to older too. Yeah. Like from, from the youngest Romanian I worked with was... Um, 12 years old wow. and the oldest Romanian I was working with was in his 50s wow that's so yeah. cool, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. I love that see yeah. that gives me hope that like okay there are <laughs> things like, are happening yeah, yeah it starts slow but yeah, yeah it's and, awesome like, uh, remember so it was so crazy like the Romanian client that I was working with in Chicago had no connection to the Romanian community or nothing just just through uh, psychology today and I still get calls from Chicago from the Romanian referrals of like, uh-huh. hey, do you know anybody? And I'm like, I'm not there anymore. I can't practice in Illinois. So I have to find a way to refer, but there's nobody there that I know of right now. Yeah. So, so, but either way, it was, it's been an incredible journey. And just even, especially the older men that I'm working with, I can see my own issues coming up working with them because I'm seeing men that are being vulnerable that I'm like, gosh, I wish I saw that. <laughs> gosh, I wish I saw that. And it, it like, it, it does something in my heart that I have to bring to supervision. I have to talk so about and I have I wanted, to process yeah. and work through. I wanted to say, is that how you prevent countertransference from happening? Yeah. I got to talk about it with, yeah. with, with my, with my supervisor every time that that has come up and, mm-hmm. you know, Work um, through it. yeah, working through it. Mm-hmm. And I think what helps countertransference more than anything for, for you as a therapist, going to therapy. Mm. Yeah. Right. Like I just started up again and, and it's been the biggest blessing in my life. I'm actually working with a man who's like in his 80s. Oh, wow. And he's been a pastor his whole life and a Christian therapist. And my gosh, the wisdom Mm -hmm. from this man. I mean, he's he's a dinosaur and he's gone through life. And he he is so, I love sitting with him. Mm -hmm. I love being in the room with him because I know you're not just a therapist. You're also a pastor, a man of God. Mm -hmm. You've led your family. You've led your church. Like you've led a congregation. And just, just knowing that makes me a better therapist. Mm-hmm. Like he teaches me how to be a better therapist when I'm his client. Oh, that's a blessing. That's huge. You know? So I guess you kind of hit this next question. What strategies do you employ to create a safe and inclusive environment for male yeah. clients? Mm-hmm. That would start with probably talking about confidentiality. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, all the Romanians, I make it a point to address the, the confidentiality piece. I talk about that in general with clients, but most people who come to therapy have an understanding. Most people who call like, hey, I want to schedule, no, 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 they know. Mm-hmm. They are aware, most of them. Mm-hmm. The Romanians, yeah. like majority of the Romanians that I started working with have never been to counseling. This was their first experience. Mm-hmm. So for me, 
yes, it's a privilege, but I have to be clear. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I actually had, uh, a, I was working with a family with their son. We had a great relationship, strong alliance, and they tried to add me on Instagram. Oh. And <laughs> the next session, I addressed it. And I That's said, hey, guys, I want you to know, yeah. like, I really, really love working with you. And I, I respect you guys. And I really enjoy working with your son. I think you guys are incredible people, but also we're not friends. Mm -hmm. It's like a right, like I and I and, and it was a really hard conversation That's to have, for, yeah, especially because when we're Romanian, it's like, do you know how many? When I was living in Austria, as soon as I found out, oh, you're Romanian, family. Yeah. So it's just weird for me now in a different context. You're Romanian. I'm Romanian. We're not family. We're yeah. not friends. I'm your therapist and it's for And this is a professional mind. relationship. And, and it's for their good. And I explained that to them and I said, I just hope, and, and I could see the disappointment. Mm. I could see that they're like, what's the big deal? Interesting yeah. for you know? as a therapist to feel that, yeah. And it, it, it did hurt a little bit. Like I had to talk about that with Anka, like yeah. this hurt me. And yeah. she's like, no, I understand, Yeah. you know? And so um, confidentiality is, is one of the biggest ones because um, I think Romanians especially know what gossip looks like, mm -hmm. know what it's like to, I believe that, and this is a strong statement to make, mm -hmm. I believe that all, if not majority, 99% of Romanians um, have either been hurt by or hurt others with gossip. 100%. And I think Huge that in our community. And I've even talked to people who shared stuff openly with a pastor, an assistant pastor, a deacon. And they heard it three weeks later, multiple families were yeah. aware of the situation. And it's like, dude, yeah. I didn't come to you so you could be freaking the tribune. Yeah. Right. I came to you because I was looking for guidance. Right. And you fudged that up. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know? And so, so I think addressing confidentiality, especially with, I've had, when I was in Chicago, I'm never going to forget. I had a, I had a Jewish couple come work with me because I don't want to go to a Jewish therapist because they all know each other. Oh. I had a Satanist come work with me mm -hmm. because I saw you're a Christian and I just want to see what you guys are, you know, what, what working with you is going to be like. And I was like, cool, let's do it. He was <laughs> one of my favorite clients. Interesting. One of my favorite clients. But, but seeing people come to you because of the difference or whatever, and it's like Romanians, if you're, me and you are probably similar, I Google, I need a Romanian therapist and I would try <laughs> to find a Romanian therapist. But there are Romanians who yeah. don't want a Romanian therapist yeah. and they will make sure, or I've had people call me and say, Hey, can you re I know you're a Romanian therapist. Can you refer a non-Romanian therapist? Yeah. And I was like, absolutely. Absolutely. Whatever your needs are, let me help. Mm -hmm. But, but I think with, with, for example, I'll speak to our culture. God forbid somebody finds out about my alcohol usage, my pornography usage. Um, God forbid somebody, uh, you know, hears about my drug addiction or that I beat my wife or that I beat my children or, or you know, that I, I, I'm dishonest in my business. God forbid. Mm -hmm. God forbid. What would happen? Well, people would see me different. Mm -hmm. I've made so many mistakes. I have, I have a lot of mistakes that I'm ashamed of that I made and then everybody saw me different. And I remember... I remember the reason I left the Romanian community for a period of time was because I made such a big mistake mm -hmm. that I was like, there's no coming back. They're like, this is forever, mm -hmm. you know, on my resume. It's like they shun you and you're yeah. not allowed back. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So if, if you can help people feel safe, that's the biggest thing. Can, can I feel safe? And I don't know if you've, you've probably already covered this, but 
one of the first things that I learned when I was in, in grad school was the biggest um, determining factor of client success in therapy is the therapeutic alliance. Mm -hmm. That's literally the largest determining factor of is therapy going to be successful for you? Yep. Do mm -hmm. I get along with my therapist? Not even do I get along, do I see them as a friend? Do I respect them enough to hear what they're saying? Yeah. Because I've had clients who have pushed my buttons and I know that me being direct with them have pushed their buttons, but we've been able to bring it into the feedback, bring it yeah. into the room. Hey, I didn't like that you said that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't mean that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. let me, let me, let me come back. What, what about that sat with you that way? Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate you letting me know. I, I actually, I just want to clarify and boom, like those are the healthiest relationships in therapy. I like that you said that because I feel like people that try therapy once and they didn't get along with the therapist, mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, therapist's not for me. Yeah. And I'm like, no, like you need to find the therapist that works for you. Yeah. You know? So it's like, if you're listening and you went to therapy once and you felt like it didn't help, I really feel like try yeah. a different person or keep searching until no, you meet someone and it's like, okay, this is yeah. the therapist I can respect and learn from. And yeah. they're there in your healing journey. Yeah. So it's, it's a big, and I think, I think one piece about that is also because of our own struggles, we don't even have the tools to tell someone I didn't like you said that. Mm -hmm. So instead of telling them, instead of having that discussion, Hey, I'm looking for a new therapist. And it's like, stop, stop looking for a new therapist. <laughs> have you addressed with your current therapist, your issues with them? Right. Yeah. I literally have a, a family I'm working with right now at the Meadows. Mm -hmm. Right. And the mom is super offended by some of the things that the, the, the kids therapist in the past did or the organization da, 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 da. she's listing off all these problems. And then I asked her, I was like, ma'am, right. Let's not use her name. Ma'am, <laughs> have you addressed any of these concerns with, said therapist yeah well no why not well i, I don't know and i'm like okay well, take a step back right yeah i was like what would happen if you are able to bring that into the room and use that mm -hmm. use that to move you forward rather than starting over you're yeah. just gonna run into the same problem with your new therapist and then you'll have the same <laughs> issue and guess what i'm walking away and it's like right Mm, that's probably not the, that's probably not a recipe for a successful journey and healing is mm -hmm. you cannot, you cannot expect to find healing by just restarting every time. Right. Yeah. Part of the journey for finding a good therapist is letting them become the good therapist you need, mm -hmm. but we don't let them become that because we're, we give up, we quit. Shut the door in their face. Yeah. Yep. I'm sorry. You didn't like, I used to, he said something, he was weird. He, she said that I, I just didn't vibe. And it's like, I just didn't vibe with them. <laughs> Bro, what? Some of the best, some of the best therapy I've had were with clients who probably didn't even like me, Yeah. but because I pushed them and I, we knew where to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, yeah. That's a guy, awesome. like a guy who had anxiety for 19 years on medication and we were in therapy for four months and his, not his anxiety wasn't healed. His anxiety, uh, decreased severely because I forced him pretty much mm -hmm. like, yeah. shouldn't say that, but like I kept pushing and challenging him like, Hey, why aren't you seeing a psychiatrist? What's, what's the holdup? And I kept questioning. I kept going back until it probably felt like I was beating a dead horse for him, yeah. but ultimately he went to a psychiatrist and guess what happened? He got almost the exact same medication. I think one of the chemicals was different mm -hmm. and his whole body reacted differently to wow. it. And his anxiety went from a 10 to a two. Oh, and his awesome. whole life shifted. His wife came in and she's like, thank you. The kids were ecstatic about it. They yeah. reported. And he is more like, he's been in a different position ever since. And it's like, 
It was worth it. <laughs> he needed he needed that really mm -hmm. direct therapist to, to do that with him, mm -hmm. which he mm -hmm. did not have before. Mm -hmm. yep. Pastors, actually, this particular client, pastors, they tried praying over him. They tried mm -hmm. everything they could in the church, mm -hmm. and they didn't know what to do. So guess what they did? They reached out to a Christian counseling center and said, hey, do something with them. Mm -hmm. But that's why we need people like you to yeah. figure out, like, on the clients and what to do. So, I mean, yeah, that was that was incredible. I know, like... It's like we're talking about stuff and like things keep popping up in my head. I'm like, oh, this is, this is cool. <laughs> I know, it's cool. I love it. It's a wealth of knowledge. So yeah. from your experience, how do family dynamics within immigrant communities affect the mental health of men? And how do you support them in managing these dynamics? I know this is a pretty loaded question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These two books that I brought with me, um, Unspoken Legacy and Facing Codependence, um, they'll probably add the titles and the authors. Mm -hmm. These two books have impacted me more than a lot of other books when it comes to my own personal journey of healing. Mm -hmm. And yes, now I'm biased to these books because I work at the Meadows and both of the authors of this, of these books are, um, fellows for us. And, um, but, but they have contributed so much work to the Meadows, but, but these books outline pretty much so many factors in our lives that we have overlooked or, haven't really noticed or have you ever read the book boundaries? Yeah, of course we talked about right. it. One of my okay. favorite books. <laughs> so that book, you read it and you go, this is common sense throughout the entire book. Yep. You go, this is common sense. This is common sense. This is common sense. You finish the book and you're like, the whole book was common sense. And it's like, okay, how much of that common sense did you practice? Yeah. Like how much are you applying to your right? life? Yeah. Almost none. And so, mm -hmm. so this is, <laughs> so this is kind of like what that is, except it's a little bit more informative it, for me. It was a lot more informative and just having an understanding of, of what codependence looks like and understanding what does trauma look like. And, and this book really helps paint the best picture of what trauma looks like. And then yes, it also, um, attaches kind of like how addiction and trauma intersect and mm -hmm. why addiction tends to happen where there's been trauma, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And so, um, what I would say is being able to, um, being able to, and this has nothing to do with immigrant or non-immigrant being able to be open to, to resources, um, being able to recognize, like, we want to break the, the cycles, mm -hmm. the generational cycles that have occurred in my family and my mom and dad's family and my grandparents' family, like we want to break the cycles of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. We want to break the cycle of, of codependence. We want to break the cycle of unhealthy communication, mm -hmm. of, of, of being triggered with one another and yelling at each other and, mm -hmm. and, and breaking things. We want to break the cycle of divorce. Mm -hmm. We want to break the cycle of physical abuse. Like we want to break the cycle of all these things mm -hmm. and, and we need resources for that. And mm -hmm. I think, um, whether you're Canadian or Romanian, Bosnian, Brazilian, I think it, it doesn't matter uh, geographic location and culture. I think we all need to have uh, some type of an avenue to, to get one step closer. And I think sometimes it's just an additional resource. Sometimes it's just an addition. This, this podcast, I, I bet you, I don't know, because I'm not in, in, I don't read what your DMs look like, but I bet you there are people who have DM'd you and, and talked about how much this has helped or one of their episodes is really, of, of your episodes has really helped them or really tough, right? And this is what we need. We just need more avenues to kind of reach people. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that, um, I think that when you just consider 
especially trauma and codependence, I think those two are the, the I want to say 95% of issues that you have, that you have, that I have, that my wife has, mm-hmm. that my friends have, that my parents have, 95% of them are tied into fact, things that both of these books point out, mm-hmm. codependence or trauma. And once we can finally begin to unravel that big ball of yarn, mm-hmm. we'll start to understand, oh, so this is why Romanians, oh, this is why, mm-hmm. oh, so, and then you start to- You see things differently. And you empathize yeah. and you're like, oh my God, you lived through communism. Like yeah. you literally were in fight or flight all the time. Mm-hmm. It must've been so foreign to you to be in a free country now and not be persecuted for your faith mm-hmm. and not have to walk around with tension in your shoulders. Cause you know, you're going to get thrown in. Yeah. Shell. Yep. Yeah. So I think really about it, it's being able to provide resources to, to these communities, being able to provide resources to our communities. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think that, uh, people wanting to to get this information is really important, really important. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So kind of lastly, to wrap up um, today's episode, in your opinion, what steps can immigrant communities take to promote better mental health awareness and support specifically for men? And how can therapists contribute to these efforts? Yeah. Um, Well, I would love to say, open-mindedness <laughs> that would be the that would be the solution we all laughed but, yeah. <laughs> I think, laughed and i'll start with our community i will start with the romanian community that we can start by taking initiative in resourcing ourselves mm-hmm. you have friends read this book recommend it to your friends say hey buy a copy this book is 9.99 on amazon yeah and it even has a workbook a follow-up workbook so this book and the workbook together are like 25 bucks Mm -hmm. if you genuinely sit with this book read it fully cover to cover highlight take notes and then you get the workbook you don't have to do the whole workbook just like different bits and pieces yeah you will do far more with this book and the workbook than you would in maybe 15 sessions with a therapist potentially yeah not always potentially So I'll say about that, um, I, I've i never been to a therapist, not yet, okay. <laughs> but, and I had a pretty crazy upbringing in childhood, um, if you guys know me personally, you know, but I, like I said, I've never been to a therapist, but one of the most pivotal um, things in my healing was, like you said, resources, anything yeah. from books to podcasts, mm-hmm. I just ate it up, especially when I became a parent. Um, I knew I needed to change, you know, and break cycles, like you said. And the most pivotal thing was resources and having my husband to kind of talk me through and just even just listening, being there yeah. to listen. Mm-hmm. Those two things, I have to say, changed me so much. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's really and we have true so much nowadays. Our internet, Praise yeah, God. just like YouTube, TikTok, and mostly everything's free. Right. And what twenty dollars is like three cups of coffee. Yeah. So Straight it's up. Like, what is that really? Straight up. Yep. So yeah. you just have to want it though for yourself, and I think mm-hmm. self awareness is the first step, maybe. Yeah. And being like, hey, I don't like where I'm at. I want to change. Um, what what resources are there around me that I can kind of grab yeah. onto and and I use. do want to piggyback on that because I feel like books do help a lot, or just other resources. But me going to a therapist, in a sense, holds you accountable. Mm-hmm. Like we have yeah. a session and she's like, okay, so next time I see you, mm-hmm. these are things that maybe you should work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I would leave home and I'm like, okay, I see her in a few days if I don't work on this. Mm-hmm. And obviously therapy too is like, it's yeah. when you put money towards something, it's an investment. So mm-hmm. I'm like, 
I better face these and figure it out because next time I see her, she's going to be like, so what'd you do? Mm -hmm. And so it's like those times in therapy really push you to really face what you need healing on. Straight up. And like you said, it keeps you accountable. Yeah, Yeah. I agree 100%. Straight up. And I think um, just, you know, your average lay person like you and I doing this for ourselves, we can be literally the light on the hill, mm-hmm. right? And, and let's use the Christianese. We can be the light on the hill for people mm-hmm. to, to be like, hey, this book really, I've given this book to so many people mm-hmm. and recommended it. And then they, they reach out. I've had people uh, say, this was a better parenting book than parenting books. Wow. This isn't even a parenting book, Pretty cool. right? Cool. So, so it's, it's an unbelievable resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, so that this is only two. And there are so many out there, right? And so, like, uh, The Body Keeps the Score and, um, you know, some of Bruce Perry's books. And, I mean, there's just so much out there that if you sit with and you come to it open, and especially as a Christian, you say, God, open my heart to what I'm missing. Mm-hmm. Oh, when you do that and you mm-hmm. add that to the mental health He'll work, show you. <laughs> everything else changes, right? Absolutely. Especially when you invite him and say, mm-hmm. Lord, I'm broken. I know something's not cooking here, but yeah. I need you to fix it. I need you to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I'm really, oh, and you go into it mm-hmm. with that mentality. God doesn't move. God mm-hmm. doesn't move. And so the second thing that I want to touch on is I think having our churches Promote mental health more. Promote these books. Promote these resources is important. This woman, Pia Melody, is actually a Christian. And you read the book and you don't even know it until the very end when she says, yeah, like she talks about the Bible very little. I don't need to be a Christian and profess Jesus Christ in everything that I do because when I live it, that speaks volumes Mm -hmm. more than any words I can speak. And how can I live it if I'm not healed? How can I live it if I haven't even begun begun to touch my PTSD? Am I trauma? Am Mm -hmm. I this? Am I that? Mm -hmm. My addiction. How can I? Mm -hmm. Right? And so part of, I think part of us helping others is literally continuing to do this podcast, continuing to pass on resources and give them as gifts. And like, even as a, I think churches should have like dozens of copies just ready to go for people like if you guys want some some resources like whatever Mm -hmm. and so when we can kind of bring that wall down and have even mental health discussions like Mm -hmm. um uh, our church right now um the the pastor's doing a uh kind of like a a parenting uh thing for mental health and um providing resources and understanding and part of part of that is just having the discussion and letting people ask questions yeah. and, and that reduces the shame around it. That reduces the shame around, or like, even if you're in therapy, like, you know, some people are really ashamed of being in therapy, but some people are like, I know like you were super about it. You were like my therapist, my therapist, <laughs> and you were like super open about it. And I thought that that was great. Because, I was maybe too open. <laughs> maybe, right. Maybe. But, but I think that that also spoke to some people yeah no i did again i said like in another podcast i would be open about it and after it kind of was awkward sometimes people were like oh and it was just like uncomfortable and then those people in the group would message me later like secretly um (laughs) and i'm like why can't they be open like that but it's because people are going to look at them differently yeah you know and what's also like funny is when i went to therapy technically my life was like perfect and I was going to therapy because of the past things that happened to me so I remember people were like oh my god are you okay and I'm like yeah "Yeah, I'm actually doing pretty well but now I'm ready to Mm -hmm. face everything that I've dealt with in the last 10 years so Mm -hmm. 
It's I can't imagine being like the male version of that because again, it's a whole probably like, amplified times ten. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And then probably the last thing that I would say is YouTube. YouTube is an unbelievable encyclopedia of resource. Mm -hmm. And what I was saying almost jokingly was I think I learned a lot more about being a therapist and mental health after grad school, mm -hmm. right? Through my actual work, mm -hmm. through my supervision and through YouTube. Mm -hmm. I got a YouTube premium account now for I don't even know how long because I watched so much YouTube. Mm -hmm. I've, I've literally watched interventions on YouTube. I've watched, um, I've watched uh, people explain, I've watched I watched Pia Melody talk about codependence before I ever even heard of this book. Mm -hmm. And it was like a video that was recorded on VHS. <laughs> and like the last, <laughs> 15, <laughs> the last, the last 15 minutes of that video was actually like, I guess somebody forgot to cut the tape and it went to like a TV commercial or something. And then it like was a TV show. And so like, those are on YouTube too. Right. And so there's just so much out there. And like, you want to know more about uh, boundaries? YouTube boundaries. I follow so many therapists on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I follow so many mental health pages on YouTube. Um, another one, Alabaster Co. That's a great resource. You want to practice mindfulness and you want to add the Christian lens to it. Christian mindfulness is a game changer for, for believers mm -hmm. because oh, all that hoopla, oh, mindfulness, meditation, oh, something, Satan, whatever. It's like, no, no, it's not. But when you get to understand what it really does, being present, being grounded, knowing what your body's feeling, knowing what your, where your heart's at, knowing where your mind's at, and then you add the spiritual element to it, mm -hmm. game changer. Yeah. So, so all of these things, I think, are pieces. I wish there was like a, a more clear, direct answer, but I don't think there is. It's like, just keep doing your stuff. I'll keep doing my stuff. You know, yeah. we keep sharing resources. We keep doing things together. Keep we all, we all collaborate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's really where it comes down to. And I believe that there's a reason that God is using us now in this generation, because I'm looking at the generation after us yeah. and they're in for another world of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Very different challenges than we had. Yeah. You'll be a parent soon. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> very different, very different challenges than we had. Yep. But guess what? Now we'll have the tools. Yeah. Now we will have the right screwdriver, the right hammer, mm -hmm. the right tape measure, the right everything yeah. to be able to say, hey, this is what I've learned. This is what I can help you with. And still give us grace to make mistakes as yeah. parents. Still yeah. give us grace to, to mess up and be like, oh, I guess I didn't know that still. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah, I love that. And I think without even knowing it, that's what our parents came to this country and hoped for us. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll, like you said, we'll, we'll be able to, to make changes. For sure. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think that was the perfect way to wrap up the episode. I hope so. Jason, this yeah. was a wealth of knowledge. I'll definitely be listening back to it again. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jason, for Me making too. time. <laughs> I know you do. Thank you for coming um, on and making time to come and talk yeah, to us today. My pleasure. Um, we're going to link those books that Jason mentioned in the description for you guys. We'll also link Jason's Instagram, but don't add him if you want to. No, no. <laughs> I probably won't add y'all. <laughs> okay. Thank you guys so much for watching today. Um, go ahead and subscribe to all of our channels so you can get caught up with any new episodes that come out and we'll see you guys again in two weeks.